to thank Katie for the awesome job she did last week. Uh, I also want to thank everyone who participated in the week of prayer. It is my firmest belief that uh, uh, we have uh, prayed this church forward. We are where we are in answer to prayer. I'd like to remind you that this uh, Saturday, we're having our fall business people's breakfast. And if you'd like to network with other business people, uh, and you would like to network your business, uh, uh, this is a perfect way of doing that. We'll have breakfast together. Uh, you'll meet other uh, business people from our church, and uh, who knows what good might come from it. Amen. If you're not a business person and you just want to have a good breakfast, you're welcome to. <laughs> I'll be doing a lesson from uh, the book, um, Discipline is Destiny. So if, if that works for you, you can sign up online. Dear Heavenly Father, you commonly call us to be uh, different than the culture we live in. And I pray this morning that we could see the spiritual discipline of simplicity and it would be attractive to us. And we might simplify our lives so that we can live purposefully. In Christ's name, amen. Perhaps one of the most uh, uh, well-known people in the Bible is Abraham. Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Christ. And he lived in uh, what is today um, Iraq. He lived in a, a town called the Ur of the Chaldees. And as best we can understand, uh, he lived a, uh, a, a pretty successful life. He did well for himself. But in the middle of his life, God showed up and said, Abraham, I want to make you great. But I can't make you great with you living the way you're living right now. You have to simplify. I want you to have a going out of business sale. I want you to sell your business. I want you to sell your house. And I want you to sell everything that you can't easily carry with you because you're going to spend the rest of your life living in a tent village. Can you imagine that God shows up at your house? You're sitting out on the back patio having coffee, and God says, I want to do something awesome in your life, but to do that, you got to get rid of all of this, and you're going to live in a tent the rest of your life. Um, how would that air with you? Uh, Abraham was a man of faith, and he did just that. He simplified. He simplified from living this uh, hectic city life to spending the rest of his life living in a tent village 
moving from place to place. If that seems like a big sacrifice, you need to know that it's probably the basic way that God made him the awesome soul that he turned out to be. You see, it turns out that you cannot be an awesome soul and live a hectic life. The two don't go together. If you live a hectic life, you will not be an awesome soul. They are just incompatible. And so as we are having our all-church emphasis, we're going to study spiritual disciplines, and the first one we're going to study is the spiritual discipline of simplicity. Paul wrote to the Corinthians church, and he said in 2 Corinthians 11, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Jesus Christ. Paul said to the church of Corinth, I don't mind telling you, I, I, I feel jealous for you. He didn't say, I feel jealous of you. He said, I feel jealous for you. He said, I have such a strong desire for you to be awesome souls that when I see other things competing for you, I, I feel jealous. Uh, uh, I can recognize that I feel jealous uh, for this church. I, I want everyone to know uh, I don't want anything in the world more than I want you to be fully mature in Jesus Christ. I don't want anything in the world more than to know that you are growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you are becoming ever more ready to be what the Bible calls the bride of Christ. I can't be content with the church plateauing and everybody reaching a level of mediocrity. And, and uh, 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 that's, not, it's not, that's not my heart for this church. My heart for this church is that we are ambitious to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And for that to happen, we have to practice spiritual disciplines. You just don't get out of bed one morning and say, wow, I feel like Jesus today. That's not how it happens. What happens is you get out of bed uh, 20 minutes before you want to, and you get down on your knees and say, I don't feel much like Jesus today, but I'm going to do the things I need to do to get my soul right. Church. Uh, the church is compared to the bride of Christ. And we shouldn't be surprised because the Old Testament uh, prophets compared uh, the people of God uh, uh, to the bride of Christ. The idea is as uh, a husband and wife become one and they become more and more like each other, the idea is we're supposed to have a oneness with Jesus Christ and become more and more like him. Sharon and I uh, have been married 51 years, 
And when we started, we were very, very different from each other. But somehow or another, after 50 years of rubbing off on each other, uh, uh, we've, we've gotten more and more alike. Uh, we, we like more and more things. Uh, we share more and more things. Uh, 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 this is God's idea, that as you and I grow closer to Christ, we become more like him. And the things that Christ likes, we end up liking. And the things that Christ doesn't like, we end up losing our taste for. And this is all called a union with Christ. It's the idea that if I, if I practice the spiritual disciplines, my life is going to little by little, day by day, conform to Jesus Christ. And it's going to be more natural for me to live out my faith uh, because my soul is transformed into his image. Uh, 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 Paul said to, his, uh, 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 to a young man that he was discipling, I have nothing to do with uh, irreverent, silly myths. But listen, rather exercise yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, I know a lot of you work out. I, I, you have... Uh, you have memberships at places and 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 you have a time and 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 you go work out and you do a workout routine uh and and that's all good and i'm glad you're keeping yourself healthy but listen what paul said paul says if it makes sense for you to exercise yourself physically why doesn't it make equal sense for you to exercise yourself spiritually church some of you wouldn't miss your workout time if, uh, if it was uh, 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 raining fire from heaven. I wonder how disciplined you are about your spiritual time. Do you see? Uh, uh, and when you go work out physically, you don't just do one exercise, right? Uh, uh, okay. Back in the day when I exercised, I didn't do just one exercise. There was a routine. Some people in the church made me these note cards, and I went and did the routine. Uh, so many curls, so many uh, squats, and all that other stuff. All right. A workout isn't just doing one exercise. A workout is figuring out what part of myself I want to develop and then doing the exercises that develops that part of myself. All right. The same thing is true spiritually. I start taking a spiritual inventory, and I start saying, this part of my soul is underdeveloped. This part of my soul is underexercised. And then I practice spiritual disciplines that develop that part of my soul. All right. So now let's talk about the nature of uh, the spiritual disciplines. Uh, we're using for the all-church emphasis Charles Swindoll's book, So You Want to Be Like Christ. 
and we're going to focus on these seven, um, uh, these seven spiritual disciplines. Last week, Katie talked about, about the spiritual discipline of prayer. Talking to God every day exercises something good in your soul. Do you understand that? Uh, uh, prayer is not about you convincing God to help you win the lottery. Prayer is about having a conversation with Christ. And in these conversations, he changes the nature of who we are. Do you get that? Just like in life, the people you have the most honest conversations with, they have influence with you. You rub off on each other through these honest conversations. In prayer, something of the nature of Christ rubs off on me as I have an honest conversation with him. All right. Today's spiritual discipline is simplicity, and that is uncluttering your life and your mind. You see, we're never going to be great souls if we are cluttered. We're never going to be great souls if our mind and our lives are cluttered. The third spiritual discipline we're going to talk about is silence and solitude. Believe it or not, your soul cannot bear uh, uh, the, the racket of life. Something very healthy happens when you stop being bombarded from, with everything from the outside and you get real quiet and you become inward, inwardly aware. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You see, the be still comes before knowing that I am God. In silence and solitude, we shut out the world and our soul, which is a natural receptor for God, begins to sense the divine reality. The fourth spiritual discipline is surrender. And this means coming to acknowledge the complete lordship of Jesus Christ. In the spiritual discipline of surrender, we purposely say to Christ, you get the call on this. I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to ask. I'm simply saying, if that's what you want, I surrender. You are the Lord of my life. Uh, the next spiritual discipline is humility. And humility is me taking my proper place in the presence of God. In the presence of God, every soul should be humble. In the presence of God, the soul feels its finiteness. The, the sixth one is self-control. That means saying yes to what is good and no to what is bad. And the last uh, spiritual discipline is sacrifice, and uh, that's living for something that is greater than just myself. And these are the disciplines we're going to study. All right, so then Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from the sincere or the simple and pure devotion to Christ. You see, Paul says evil deceives us. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. Right? Uh, 
Why, don't, why do I never feel after I do wrong the way I thought I was going to feel before I did wrong? Huh? I never feel, uh, uh, I say, all right, I'm done. I'm going to tell this person a thing or two. Why don't I ever feel good after I do that? Why do I always have this feeling, dude, you got issues? I never feel after I do wrong the way I think I will before I do wrong. You know why? Because evil deceives us. Evil makes us believe something that isn't true is true, and then we surrender to evil, and bam, we get punched in the face by reality. And reality says that was pretty ugly. Church? So, Paul said, I'm afraid that the same way evil deceived Eve, evil will deceive you. Uh, and I'd like, to, I'd like to press on that. What was he getting at? Is it possible that Corinth was very much like America. Uh, it was a commercial center. People evaluated their lives by where they lived and what they had. They evaluated their lives by the process of accumulation. And Paul said, that is a deception. If you're judging the quality of your life by what you have accumulated, you have deceived yourself. Church, can you hear this? All right. I know how this works. You fill up the attic. You got boxes up there. Well, then there's extra space in the basement, and all of a sudden there are bags and boxes in the basement. Well, then there's some extra room on the garage shelves, so you fill up the garage shelves. Well, hey, there's a rent up. Uh, I can rent space right down the road. And pretty soon, your rental space. Uh, have you seen those shows where people buy people's uh, rental uh, spaces? They're just crammed full of junk. Uh, we clutter our lives. Uh, uh, we, we can't believe that every shelf doesn't have something on it. Uh, we're not comfortable if every room isn't stuffed with furniture. And, and we clutter our lives. And somehow or another, we think that is evidence that we're doing well. Uh, you might be surprised how fun it is to have space with nothing in it. You might be surprised. Uh, Shay and I basically live in three rooms. We live in the family room, uh, the kitchen where we eat our, we have a little, uh, uh, what do you call them, uh, uh, island, and uh, the bedroom. Uh, okay, we have, we have a living room in our house that no, we don't have anything in it. It doesn't have anything in it. Uh, and I'm happy. I don't have to take care of it. If there's nothing in there, there's nothing in there to be dusted. There's nothing in there to be cleaned. There's nothing in there for the dog to knock over when he decides to spaz out at the window. Uh, is it possible 
that your soul is being crowded in by the clutter of your life? Is it possible that your soul can't get a breath of fresh air because there's so much clutter in your life? I want to ask you to do a self-check. How does your soul respond or react to the word abstain? I'm going to abstain from that. Uh, see, a healthy soul says, uh, uh, I'll be better by not having that junk in my life. An unhealthy soul says, well, it's unreasonable. Everybody has this. I mean, who doesn't have this? Uh, 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 who could think of not having this? Uh, 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 of course, the next size TV is what I want. Uh, everybody always gets the bigger TV. You never go to Costco and say, I'd like a TV a little smaller than the last one I had. Uh, uh, no, you, they have those big ones right up front, and everybody's going, oh, of course you have to have a bigger TV. Uh, if the TV's getting any bigger, you're going to have to sit in your neighbor's house to watch your house across the street. You see, what Paul said is, deception corrupts the way we think. I am afraid that as the servant deceived Eve by his cunning... Your thoughts will be led astray. And the actual Greek word there is corrupted. Your thought life will become corrupted. When we simplify, we're not just simplifying the life around us, we're simplifying our thought life. We're saying to ourselves, if my life around me is cluttered, it's evidence that I have a cluttered mind and a cluttered soul. And I begin to correct the clutter around me by changing the way I think. I have to simply start saying, uh, just because culture has uh, said things are this way doesn't mean that that's what's really best for the human soul. Swindoll says there are five kinds of mind clutter. Let's look at them. Number one, saying yes to too many things. How many times do you find yourself in a week going, why did I say I would do this? Anyone? Why did I say I would do this? I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do it. Um, number two, not enough time for rest and renewal because we are so busy working to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. You can't rest and renew the way you should because you are rushing off to work because you just have to have the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Look, I believe in work, but I also believe God did not create us to be slaves to labor. Our life is about more than our work and it's about more than what we accumulate. Three, I like this one. It's very interesting. Our minds get cluttered because we lack the joy of accomplishment. Uh, this has been a mistake in my life. I've always felt like I was running behind. So as soon as I would get one thing done, 
I would launch right into the next thing. Can anybody identify with that? I'm running behind. I got to get this done. Uh, I got, I, I, even if it was something, it was a great joy that we accomplished something. Bam, Monday morning, I'm on the next thing. Well, what happens is that clutters our mind because we're supposed to have some time where we celebrate the joys of accomplishment. We take a deep breath. You are a gardener. You look at your garden. You take a brief, deep breath and go, that is a good-looking garden, church. Instead of saying, oh, I got those weeds over there. Oh, how did I let that happen? Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, we clutter our mind because we don't take the time to simply stop and say, I enjoy this moment. Uh, I went and saw the baby this week held that little delightful piece of joy in my arms, uh, uh, stared at her little face, and uh, I, I said to Sharon driving home, that made me happy. That made me genuinely happy. Uh, it would be more like me to go in, uh, look at the baby, kiss her about three times, and say, okay, we gotta go. Uh, Listen, we clutter our mind because we don't take the time to just stop for a minute and say, this is a beautiful moment, and I'm grateful to God for it. Four, we clutter our mind under the tyranny of debt. All right, I know somebody's going to send me a note. I'm, I've gotten it a million times. Look, you don't need to charge your life up. Do you get that? It is counterproductive for you to charge your life up. Listen, listen. Where will anybody pay you 25% interest on your money? Where will, you, where will anybody pay that to you? But we pay 25% interest for credit card money. Church? I have to struggle to get 5% interest. I think, wow, I'm getting 5% interest. I'm killing it. In the meantime, you're throwing your plastic around, and they're charging you 25% interest on that. Do you see that's not a good deal? Do you understand that you clutter your mind and you clutter your life when you accumulate debt that you can't pay off month by month? Do you hear this? You clutter your mind. How many of you have worried yourself sick about a bill? Sometime in your life. Young people, listen to me. If, if you're under 30, listen to me. You don't need a credit card. Ah. Uh, uh, I know you're, they're going to tell you, yes, you have to. You can't do anything without a credit card. Uh, get a debit card. You, credit cards are not your friends. They will clutter your mind, and you'll spend years paying interest that you shouldn't pay and worrying in ways that aren't healthy. Five. And this one gets worse and worse. We clutter our mind with an addiction to technology. Church? You know what I see in restaurants all the time? 
two people sitting there, they're not talking. They got their little technology out and they're scrolling through something. Huh? Uh, uh, you're having a conversation with somebody, the phone rings. Well, whoever's on that phone is more important than you because it absolutely has to be answered right then, right there. Am I right? We have cluttered our lives with technology. Technology stopped being our servant, and we have become its servant. You know what you can, fi you can find? You don't have to answer your phone the minute it rings. There's a little thing on there called uh, an answering uh, service, and people can leave you a message. And it turns out the world won't come to an end if you call them back an hour and a half later. Church. Turn off the binger. You don't need to get binged every time somebody sends you a, a message. Uh, every time the new news feed comes down, you don't have to be binged. Uh, we have cluttered our mind with technology. Uh, we, have, we have said to ourselves, if I don't have this stupid phone in my hand or this iPad in my hand 24 hours a day, something terrible is going to happen. And in fact, just the opposite is true. If you do have it in your hand 24 hours a day, something terrible is going to happen. Church. We don't just clutter our mind. I want to talk about five sources of clutter. This isn't Swindoll. If you don't like this, you can blame it on me. Why is our life so full of clutter? Because we have the I see, I want problem. Why is it that I don't know what I need until I go to Walmart and see it? Church? Why is it that I don't know what I need until I see it? Because there is the I see, I want mechanism, and all commercials are built on it. Every commercial is designed to trigger the I want in you by showing you something fancy. Brother, how many watches can you really wear? Sister, how many watches can you really wear? Why don't, where do those watches come? I see, I want. Am I right? Number two, our lives are cluttered because we hold on to stuff that we don't really need. I'm guilty of this. I look in my closet and see stuff I haven't worn in, I can't remember when. Guess what? There it is. I have two pair of leather pants I've been too fat to wear for 10 years. <laughs> I used to tell myself the leather shrunk, but But there they are. They're all folded up in my closet. Uh, uh, somehow or another, my world would come to an end if I had to get rid of those leather pants that don't fit anymore. Do you see? We clutter our lives because we hold on to stuff that no longer has, a, it's not a meaningful part of our life. Uh, when was the last time you looked at that drawer where you, you put all the dishes and pans and stuff that you don't use very often. I bet we've got stuff in there we haven't used in 10 years, but 
there it is. Can't hardly get the darn drawer open because there's so much stuff in there, but there it is. Church? Three. We clutter our, our lives because we're always comparing ourselves to others, but others who are richer than we are. Why is it that when we compare ourselves, we don't compare ourselves to the neighborhood that's just a little beneath us, we always compare ourselves to the neighborhood that's just a little above us? Why don't we compare what we have to friends who have less than we have? Why do we always compare ourselves to friends who have more than what we have? Church, we clutter our lives because we are comparing ourselves to others and we think if they have it, somehow or another we should have it and we end up cluttering our lives. Four, we clutter our lives by, because we define ourselves by what we have and not who we are. Do you know what you have doesn't change you a bit? Do you get it? What you have does not make you something you are not. And not having it wouldn't take something away from you. We are not defined by what we have. We are defined by who we are. And then the last one, it's probably the most edgy. We clutter our lives out of lack of generosity. I want you to hear this. If we were as generous as we should be, it would be easy for us to say, this isn't a meaningful part of my life anymore. Who might find this meaningful to them? Church? Ah. Uh, I guarantee you if I took those leather pants to Goodwill, they'd be gone in one day. Because there are people out there who have good taste. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Chubby's never going to wear those again. But that doesn't mean somebody else couldn't find great joy in them. <laughs> Church, can you hear this? We clutter our lives because we're not generous. I'm not using it. Somebody else might find delight in it, but somehow or another, I have a hard time letting go. You see, simplicity asks us to restructure our thoughts and life around the simplicity of Christ and not around the culture. Paul said, I am afraid that evil has, uh, has uh, corrupted your thinking and you've got a, a cluttered life and a cluttered mind uh, and it's made it difficult for you to see the wisdom in the simplicity and the purity of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a relatively simple life, church. He didn't have a garage full of junk. He didn't have a storage bin full of junk. He had a higher idea. And his higher idea is, if I can simplify my life and not spend so much time on all of this, there is time in my life for things that are really meaningful and rich. We need to restructure our thoughts around the purity of Christ. 
We need to contemplate what is clean and beautiful instead of what is corrupt and ugly. And then Paul said, verse 4, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus other than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. We clutter our minds with wrong thoughts about Jesus Christ. I'm willing to bet if you're like most Christians, you got taught wrong things about Jesus Christ and they clutter your mind. You have thoughts about Jesus Christ that aren't true and they're not, they've never been true. But they clutter your mind and they compete with who Jesus really is in his dignity and in his beauty and in his love. Church. And Paul says, you got to get rid of that other Jesus. He's not the real one. You want to unclutter your mind, let go of wrong thinking about Christ. The second thing he says is a bad spirit or a bad attitude clutters our mind. How many days have you wasted under the tyranny of a bad attitude? You got a bad attitude about and you carried that bad attitude with you all day long. And you tainted yourself and you tainted everybody around you because the bad attitude uh, uh, controlled and cluttered your mind. You couldn't think clearly about other things because your mind was so absorbed by that bad attitude. Is it true? Wrong ideas about the good news clutters our minds. Now, I don't want to do, I don't want to diagnose, diagnose. I, I want to say, here's how, here's how simplicity works, and here's how you can unclutter. You begin to unclutter by prayer. You start every day by saying to God, there's something about who you are that I want to be more like. There's something about the way you think that I want to think like you. There's something about the way... Uh, uh, you care, and I want to care like you. And I'm asking you today to help me think in ways that make me more like you. And help me to interrupt thought patterns that aren't like you. All right. Number two, I unclutter my mind by disciplining myself what I'll think about. Um, some of you will be able to identify with this. It's easy for me to go to sleep at night. When I go to bed, I just can't stay asleep. Then I wake up. Now it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And guess what? My little pea brain wants to go 150,000 miles an hour. And it wants to solve this problem, and it wants to solve that problem. It remembers something from 25 years ago. All right. I'm in charge. I used to let that little pea brain run the show. Now I say, stop it. And, and I have a habit where if I can't fall back to sleep, I will tell myself stories from the gospel. I, I will remember the life of Christ in the gospel, and I will go over that story in my mind. Or I'll, I'll remember the teaching of Jesus Christ in the gospel, and I will go over that in my mind. Guess what? I find a great deal more peace 
remembering the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ than I do letting my brain run a million miles an hour because you never solve anything in the middle of the night anyway. Church? Three. We unclutter our lives with these three words. Not this time. Not this time. What do I mean? All right. Uh, you look at something that you haven't, uh, you haven't used for 25 years. And always in the past, you had an excuse for holding on to it. But now you say, not this time. Today I let this go. Church. Or normally you would have made an impulse buy. You saw something, you liked it, you wanted it, and normally you would make an impulse buy. But instead you say to yourself, not this time. Church. There's three beautiful words and they can unclutter your life. You just start, you don't say, I'm saying no to myself forever and I'm never going to do this again. That's a losing proposition. But you can say to yourself, not this time. Not this time. Uh, I went to the store with Sharon the other day, and I went to the donut. Uh, 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 bakery. Uh, normally, uh, a dozen looks good. But normally I can get, I can get out of there with six. Uh, not this time. I put three in the bag. <laughs> Not this time. Not this time. Three. All right. Uh, uh, maybe next time I'll be able to get away with two. All right. Do you, do you see the point I'm trying to make? We don't unclutter our life all in one big explosion. We do it in a daily new discipline of simply saying to myself, not this time. You can, you can, you can pass on this one. Um, all right. Uh, we unclutter our lives by having a forgiving spirit. Some of you can't let go. Your mind is cluttered, and you remember again and again an offense. And you play that offense in your head again and again. And you feel the anger of it. You feel the resentment of it. You feel the unfairness of it. Maybe you can unclutter by simply forgiving. And then the final one I want to talk to you about is probably the hardest. Give it away or sell it. Unclutter your life. You'll always... You'll always until you do it, it won't make sense. But when you get a little space around you, when you get a little healthy room around you, when you're not having to all the time being taken care of some junk that you don't even want, you find that life feels differently. You, you find that uh, space is good. Uh, you find that... Uh, I'm, it's easier for me to relax in this space because I'm, a, I'm not afraid that the horde is going to fall in on me at any minute. All right. Uh, I, I, look, I'm really serious. I, I, I'm serious. Uh, if you want to live 
a more simple life where with better values and a greater sense of Christ in your life, you got to give some stuff away or you got to sell it. You say, Doc, who told you that? All right. A rich young man came to Jesus one day. And he said, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, how do, how do you read the Bible? Uh, he said, well, I read the Ten Commandments, and I'm pretty good on the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, yeah, but if you really want to be mature, you got too much junk in your life. I want you to go and sell that stuff and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? If you want to follow me, you have to unclutter your life. And guess what happened? The rich young man went away sad. He couldn't let it go. He couldn't let it go. Following Jesus Christ seemed interesting, but the stuff, the clutter, seemed safe, and he went away sorrowful. I think Christ's message to the rich young man is his message to us. If you want to live a more deeply spiritual life, you have to unclutter. You have to unclutter your mind, and you have to unclutter your space. And to do that, you have to let some stuff go. Is it worth it? I'm telling you, uh, 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 the day is coming when you're going to unclutter whether you want to or not. Have you been to a flea market lately? Oh, I'm sorry, they're not flea markets. They're antique malls. Uh, 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 the day is coming, believe it or not, you're going to unclutter. The day is coming, and for some of us, sooner than we think, we're going to unclutter. Because somebody's going to walk into our house and see all that, see those leather pants that I've had since uh, Jesus was young, and they're going to go, we don't need these, and they're going out. If you don't unclutter your life, someone else will have to. And I'm telling you, it, your eternal soul is worth it. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that this idea of simplifying and creating space in our life for things that are more important, more valuable, have eternal uh, consequences... I pray that it would be persuasive to us. I pray that as we meet in life groups uh, this week, uh, we could talk about it and, and we could share good ideas with each other and we could encourage each other. And I pray that the end result is we would create more space in our mind and in our life for Christ. In Christ's name, amen.